Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Sure, we're doing great today. Is your program Park Parenting Weekly, Season Two, Episode Two? Wow. Uh, we had the first season, thirteen episodes, and we started a new season yesterday. I was just having a conversation with one of our colleagues in the office. That why didn't we rest when we finished the first season, thirteen episodes? Uh, but you know, when you are consumed by the passion of what you do, sometimes you forget to rest. And um, the passion of what we do has consumed us, and we are interested in best practice in parenting. That's what we are interested in. It's not an easy job. It's not an easy responsibility to raise children. You know what it means to give direction to young people. And when we talk about giving direction to young people, it begins from example. And since we are not perfect, we continue to make mistakes. And so because we are not perfect, it becomes a tough responsibility. Then we must not pretend. We have to be who we are, learn on the job. You know, it's kind of tough. And nobody should take it for granted. And nobody should criticize parents for the way they do things. If you try to criticize parents for the way they do things, then you don't understand what all this all is all about. It is not easy, it is tough, it can be draining, it can be very, very tasking. Sometimes it can be discouraging, but you see, the joy of it all is at the end of the day, if we pay all the price, we put in all the sacrifice, you can be sure that these same children that we labor on today, I will do everything that we do, become a joy in the future. Even from now, you know, uh, the book that I read says, for the joy set before him, uh, he endured the cross, despising the shame. So, for the joy set before, we endured the, uh, the cross of raising children today, of paying the price, of having sleepless nights, of having conversation with our spouse and uh, with our spouses and all of that and trying to ensure that we are doing the right thing. But, you know, the thing again is that you do not even know how much you have done and how well you have done until the child is old. You know, that's the book that I read says, you know, train up a child the way he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. So you don't even really know how much you're doing until the child is old. That's why you just have to try as much as possible to get it right. We have to try as much as possible to get it right to make sure we are we expose ourselves to knowledge. Knowledge is what to do. We expose ourselves to attitude. Attitude is the fortitude to do that which you know we should do. We expose ourselves to skill. Skill is the how to do what we know how to do. So these are critical things, friends. So I do not take it for granted when I come to you every week to have this conversation. I do not think that some of the things that we are sharing here are easy to come by, come by or are easy to practice. No, we know that it will take a lot of effort, it will take a lot of concentration. Sometimes it will take less, it will take serious focus, you know, for us to be able to practice some of the things we are discussing. So sometimes you need to take some water, you need to take a walk, you need to uh, uh, cool up your head, you need to take a look at some of the things we are discussing here again and again and again so that you can be sure that at the end of the day you are doing the right thing. So the question again is that who is doing the right thing? Well, to a very large extent, the principles of life are, are principles that we can, we can look at. We can look at the track records of principle. We can look at those who have practiced it, what did they get, how did they come out and all of that. 
So that is the beauty of principles. Principles uh, are easily traceable. Principles are easily uh, connectable. You know, you can connect the dots and see how you are doing. Well, that's just by way of introduction. I have a conversation with you today that is not going to take too much of our time. Uh, as a matter of fact, what I'm doing today is more of advocacy than enablement, than empowerment. I'm doing more of advocacy today. Uh, I'm interested in the mental health of the Nigerian parents, of the African parents. And uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, who qualifies me to talk about uh, mental health or what qualifies me to talk about mental health. I'm not a medical practitioner. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist. Uh, I don't have expertise in all of these areas, you know. Uh, so, so why do you want to talk about mental health? Oh, again, is it because it is popular and everybody is talking about it? You too, you want to join the bandwagon of talking about mental health because uh, we just have to also discuss it. No, uh, that is not it. Um, I, I, if you have studied what we do very well, you realize that we are not the type that jump on bandwagon uh, effect, you know, or, or are easily swayed by band, band, bandwagon effect, what everybody is saying. No, we don't do that. We are not interested in sensationalism because we know sensationalism is not a factor of production. It doesn't lead that it is sensational. It does not mean it's going to lead to result. A lot of times, uh, what what is sensational sometimes is even is is not does not last. It's just to arouse the curiosity. Uh, and the interest of people. And when people now finally look at it and they find out that there's nothing substantial, there's nothing enduring about it, you know, they forget about it. So, uh, the reason why we are discussing mental health is that in the society, when there's a conversation going on, we must take every side to the conversation. There's medical side to mental health. There's psychological side to mental health. There's emotional side to mental health. There is legal side to mental health. What I'm interested in discussing today is the legal side to mental health. The legal side to mental health, I'm interested in that. What does the law say about mental health? What is the sociology of mental health? It's important that we also look at that. How, do, how are we socialized as a people that end up affecting our mental health? It's, it's very, very important. Now, if we understand all of this, it's going to, it's going to help us to also contribute to this conversation from this side, understand the conversation from this side, from the medical side, from the social side, and it's going to help us to find more meaning, more result, more solution in addressing this issue, you know. So, for me, uh, when, you, when you are in the third world country, let me begin from how you were raised. Many of us when we were being raised uh, as third worlders, people who are grown up in underdeveloped, or developing or stagnated countries like we have in the third world and some countries in the third world are stagnated they are not going anywhere they remain on one spot for over the years there's no improvement as a matter of fact they are not stagnated they are retrogressing some nations in the third world are developing we can see the indices of development they are going from face to face they are growing some nations in the third world are underdeveloped so, uh, I, your guess is as good as mine as to where Nigeria is in the scheme of things. I don't want to uh, dwell on that today because that is not my subject matter. But you see, it is not my subject matter, but it's a consequence or foundational to my subject matter. So, when you grow up in the third world country where, you, where there's no respect for dignity of human person, 
Because the foundation of healthy self-esteem is how you are treated. Because how you are treated is a window to how you see yourself. How you are treated by others is a mirror that the that other people hold from where you are supposed to see yourself. So when you are raised by parents, primary parents, secondary parents, remember, we use the word primary parents and secondary parents in our broadcast and in our teachings because we believe that parenting is a four-dimensional responsibility. So if you want to understand what we mean by that, you can check this uh, our YouTube channel, our Facebook channel, our, our broadcast on Anchor, and look at our past you know, our teachings that you understand what we mean by the fact that uh, parenting is a four-dimensional relationship. It's a four-dimensional responsibility. So if you, if, as you get along with us, we are going to be using some register. We're going to be using some words that are peculiar to us because of the originality of what we are teaching and the understanding that we have that for us to teach in a way that it will be relevant to us as a people, we have to, it has to evolve and emanate from us. So uh, historically speaking, sociologically speaking, uh, scientifically speaking, parenting is a four-dimensional responsibility. You know, if you look at it very well. So, in our broadcast, we use the word primary parents and secondary parents. So, now, for primary parents and secondary parents, there is a way you are, children are to be treated. The way primary and secondary parents treat children, give the children their, their esteem. Gives them a clear picture of who they are, whether they will be respected or disrespected. The way the system treat children, give the children a clear picture of their, of their, of their self-esteem. Are you getting what I'm saying? The way they are treated by, 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 by schools, by neighbors, by community, by religious institutions, give the children a picture of who they are. And your picture of who you are is key to your mental wellness. The picture of how you see yourself, the picture of your esteem is critical to your mental wellness. And when we talk about mental health, it is important that we understand that WHO makes abundantly clear that health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease. That's what WHO said. That health is a state of complete physical, mental, and social well-being, and not merely the absence of disease. So we are talking about physical well-being. We are talking about mental well-being and social well-being. If what your society pays attention to is only your physical well-being, it means they've neglected your mental well-being and your social well-being. Once your social well-being and your mental well-being is neglected, then you cannot be said to be healthy. You may not have disease in your body. You may exercise every day, you may jog, you may do all of that. But your mental state, your mental well-being, your social well-being is damaged. And how is the social and mental well-being damaged? It is true abuse. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, and neglect. It is the fact that social amenities are not available from the secondary parents to make life a bit easier for you. 
So when you grow up in the kind of community I grew up, in the kind of society I grew up, what happens is that you become, by the time you become an adult, your mental state has been dealt with, your social state has been dealt with, and they have been affected negatively. So you become an adult, you now want to raise children that are mentally balanced. You want to raise children that are socially balanced. But alas, since you cannot give what you do not have, it becomes a major difficulty for you. So the parents of today are living out the frustration of their youth. And they are visiting this frustration on their children. And unfortunately, many parents today are not even aware of their mental states. They are not aware of the damage that the way they were treated as a child, the way they were treated as a boy, the way they were treated as a girl, they do not understand the impact of that on who they have become today. So we believe we are well. We believe we are okay. Now, that is number one level of, of concern. Now, the second level of concern now is that since we do not have access to the things that make life easy to live, ease of living, since we do not have access to all of those things, that's why we are called a developing country. Since we do not have access to all of that, then we are under constant pressure. When you are under constant, when you are under constant pressure, you are under the pressure to supply, supply education, supply health, supply shelter, supply clothing, supply food to your children. Meanwhile, the role of the state is to help you as a parent to take responsibility for education, to take responsibility for health, to take responsibility for shelter, to take responsibility for food. The state and the community are supposed to carry that load for you. Once the state and the community are not carrying that load for you, what happens, my friends, is that you are under pressure. This is what is happening. The load that four institutions are supposed to carry, one institution is carrying it. When one institution is carrying the load that four institutions are supposed to carry, what happens? The institution that is carrying the load becomes overwhelmed. And unfortunately, this, the, when you become overwhelmed, you are supposed to take a break. You are supposed to take a step back so that you can rejig, so that you can, resource, you can rejuvenate. But unfortunately, when you take a step back, nobody is going to do the job for you. So you are overwhelmed, you are still doing the work. You are overwhelmed, you are still providing leadership. You are overwhelmed, you are still providing parenting. You are overwhelmed, you are still supposed to be strong and be there for your children. You are overwhelmed, you are still supposed to inspire. It's tough. What is happening is that, apart from the fact that we come from a background where our, our personality, our humanity, is damaged to a very large extent, we now arrive at adulthood, when we are supposed to provide leadership for our children, we came sick and mentally challenged from adulthood. We arrive at from childhood, sorry, from childhood. We arrive at adulthood, then with that baggage, that backload, that, that, that backlog that we come from, we come with, we now arrive at adulthood. Now we are now also loaded. There is a load upon us to provide, to perform. As a woman, 
or as a man, as a father, as a mother, even sometimes as members of extended family, as, a, as an uncle, as an auntie, as all of that, you are pressured on all sides. Why are you pressured on all sides? Because the system that is supposed to serve everybody is not functioning. Because the system that is supposed to serve everybody is not functioning. That is the community, that is the state, because they are not functioning. Then the responsibilities they are supposed to carry is distributed to everyone, particularly those who appear to be doing well in their business, in their, in their daily endeavor. And so because of that, they run into trouble. We run into big trouble. And that is how these things are. And so it is important for us to understand that the way we are living in Nigeria today is a threat to our mental health as children, as fathers, as mothers. It's a major, major threat. And we cannot continue to refuse to acknowledge it because if we refuse to acknowledge it, we are not going to do anything about it. If we don't do anything about it, what happens is that it will continue to fester. We'll continue to malfunction. A, a, a parent, primary and secondary parent, at a malfunctioning state will not produce functional and functioning children. So we continue to malfunction. We refuse to acknowledge that we are malfunctioning. We continue to raise children that grow up and become mal and, be and also are not functional and they malfunction, they become dysfunctional and the cycle continues. That is why we must have this conversation. Why must we have this conversation? Onto advocacy, onto finding a way forward, onto finding solution to our situation as a country. You see, Nigeria is a signatory to many treaties that protect the fundamental human rights of our people. We are signatories to different treaties that respect the right of our people to, to health. And that is why when you look at chapter 2 of the Constitution, and I want to read to you very quickly uh, uh, that uh, um, chapter 7, section 17, so section 3 of the Constitution of Nigeria. And it says that the state shall direct its policy towards ensuring that the health safety and welfare of all persons in employment are safeguarded and not endangered or abused. Subsection D says there are adequate medical and health facilities for all persons. That there shall be, that when you are working in a place, there should be a commitment to safeguard your health and your welfare. That is your health, your safety, and your welfare. Then beyond that, which is general now, is that there are adequate medical and health facilities for all persons. And when we talk about medical and health facilities here, we are talking about social, we are talking about physical, social, and mental well-being. But you see, we need to take another look at to what exactly do we mean when we talk about health. What is the scope when we talk about health? What scope are we dealing with? So, now, if you look at uh, a scholar, he tries to explain what scope do we mean when we are talking about, uh, when we talk about health. This scholar, uh, Joa and Miranda, this is what they said. Write to the highest 
attainable standard of physical and mental health, which includes access to all medical services, sanitation, adequate food, decent housing, healthy working, healthy working condition, and a clean environment. That is the totality of health. When we talk about the issues that influence the, the issues that influence mental health, we are talking about right to the highest attainable standard of physical and mental health, which include access to all medical services, sanitation. You need to go around Lagos. Lagos is supposed to be urban. You need to go around Lagos and see the condition in which some people live. 42 room apartment, 42. 42 flat in a place, one toilet, one bathroom. What is what does that say about sanitation? Adequate food. How many Nigerians are eating well? How many people are eating well in Africa? Decent housing that has become a mirage. The, the more you see, the more you look, the less you see. When it comes to uh, when it comes to decent housing, then healthy working conditions, healthy working conditions. People are living in, in, in a place. The place of work is like three hours or four hours to get to work in the morning. So they leave home 5 a.m., 4 a.m. to get to work. And they close by 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock. They get into traffic. They, get, they don't get home until maybe 12 midnight, until 1 a.m. And by 4 a.m. again, they have to arise. They have to rise up and get ready for work. What time do they have for their children? What time do they have for their spouses? What time do they have for any other thing? No wonder life expectancy in Nigeria is, is a little above 50. That's why we are dealing with a little above 50. Many Nigerians are not well. That's why people die, you know, just say we saw him yesterday. He just complained of headache. The pressure is too much. Look at what we are defining here. Good food, adequate food. How many people eat well? Decent housing, healthy working condition, forget. Healthy working condition is, is a mirage. And clean environment, clean environment. How many of us can boast of our environment being clean? You go to a place, there, 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 is, a, there, is, a, there is a gutter in front of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the house, and there is a pond, a water that is, does not flow and is smelling. Mosquitoes gathered there, rats gathered there, all the rodents gathered there, cockroaches gathered there. That is the condition in which over 82 million Nigerians are living. Because according to Poverty Watch, 82 million Nigerians are living on less than $1.9 per day. Those are the people who, who do not know where the next meal is coming from. So they are denied of adequate food, they don't have decent housing, they are denied of healthy working condition, they don't have clean environment. So it is an attack on their state of mind, it's an attack on their state of health. Since their existence is abused, they cannot raise children that are healthy. So those 82 million Nigerians are churning out on daily basis children that that are physically unwell 
that are mentally unwell and socially, socially unwell. Mental health must come to the forefront of conversation, to the front burner of conversation in our country today. We must accept it as fundamental human rights of our people and we must begin to agitate for it and ensure that the state, the community and everyone involved does their part in ensuring that the fundamental human rights of our people to mental health are respected. How do you respect it? Good food, good water, good shelter, good working environment. We are talking about good working environment. Is it not somebody that is working, that is going to have good working environment? What about millions of Nigerians that are employed, that are not employed? What about thousands, millions of millions of people that leave school, they are not even employable? They cannot even discuss the course they read intelligently with anybody. They are even lost. So, friends, that is the conversation I'm trying to have with you today. So, what is the way forward? Because I'm not interested in having this conversation without, without, without uh, finding a way forward. The number one thing I think we need to do, we need to accept mental health as a, as a fundamental human rights of Nigeria. We need to accept that the way we were raised and the society in which we are raising children is a threat to our mental health. We need to bring this conversation to the front burner of every talk we have when it comes to working with parents, when it comes to helping us to do our job well in providing leadership, in providing direction for children. We have to. Very, very important. Fundamentally, we have to do that. That's number one. That's number two. Number three, we need to begin to organize ourselves in a way as parents to demand for what belongs to us as our rights. Because if all of these things are not done, our mental health is affected. And once our mental health is affected, what happens? Is that we are not able to provide the kind of leadership, the kind of direction, the kind of example that we are supposed to provide for our children. You know, there's nothing a child can do that can make an adult angry. But you see, we have many angry adults. What is making them angry is not the child. What the child is suffering is transferred aggression. What the parents are dealing with is that they have not collected salary. Is that they've collected the salary, but they borrowed throughout the month. So as they, as they are collecting the salary, they are dropping it for the person they borrowed money from for transport. What they are dealing with is that school fees is now knocking on the door now, and they need to pay school fees. And nobody is going to support them to pay school fees. Their counterparts in China, their counterparts in America, their counterpart in, uh, in Finland, their counterpart in Norway is not dealing with the things they are dealing with. So school fees is coming, so they are tensed. Some people live from hand to mouth. They pay the rent of this year, as they are paying the rent of this year, and they begin to save for the rent of the next year. As they are saving for the rent of the next year, inside it they are going to pay school fees. A child is going to get ill, which is natural cause of life. And they are going to be asked, they are going to be asked to cough out money for the treatment of their children. Wow. It's not easy to be a parent in a third world country. Where the responsibility of four institutions become the responsibility of one institution, the parent. The parent's responsibility is to provide, is to provide uh, what we call what we call moral compass is to be the moral compass of the family is to help the children 
to behave morally well, to inculcate into them positive value system. But when they are distracted by what shall we eat, what shall we drink, by what shall we be clothed, how are they going to be able to do that? So there's a lot of pressure. So social well-being has been affected. Mental well-being has been affected. And we are here to accept this as a reality because we are still going to work and coming back. Many are dealing with depression. They can't even define it. They are not able to define it as depression. They have become, they have become less committed to their goals. They are not as charged as they used to be. They wake up in the morning, they go to work just for the sake of going. They get to work, they are not giving their best, they cannot give their best because the load they are carrying is too much. And there's nobody to share the load with. There's nobody to even share with. And the next thing is for them to leave everything in God's hands. Meanwhile, we are waiting on God, God is waiting on us. Because God has given us everything, it is our responsibility to challenge our system. And say, system, give us what God, what God has given you to, for us. Because God has given us, what he has given us is in the hand of the system. The system is holding on to what God has given us. So we don't need to go back to God. We need to go back to the system. And say, system, God said he did not create, he created enough for our need. He did not create any enough for our greed. So anytime we see need or lack, is because of your greed. You guys in charge of the system, let go of what you are hiding. The way you were, the, the way the system was hiding palliative during during this ensas protest, it was ensas protest that revealed that the state was carrying palliative, was hiding palliative, palliative that are meant for the citizens. The state was holding on to it. A a, a lawmaker in the state said. He was holding on to it because he wanted to use palliative to celebrate his birthday. He wanted to distribute the palliative on his birthday. So the problem is not with God. The problem is with the people who are in government. The problem is those who are in the system. The problem is those who are the custodians of the system. Who are holding on to what belongs to you. Who will send their children to a school abroad and will not send your children to any school even in Nigeria. Because they know the benefits of education. They know education is good. They know education will help them. So they prepare their children, they send them to Ivy League schools. Their children come back to take over. And our own children, they are not able to answer the question, what problem will you solve when you grow up? That's what the child was asked. The child answered, how will I grow up when I've not eaten? You're asking him, what will you do when you grow up? The boy is already thinking, grow up. Do people grow up without eating? Do people grow up without shelter? Do people grow up without health system? Nigeria just overtook India in the number of under five deaths. Nigeria just overtook India. India is 1.3 billion thereabouts. Nigeria is supposed to be 200 million. We have overtaken India. So friends, that's my conversation with you today. It's more of charging you. It's more of encouraging you to begin to have a conversation that is beyond the conversation we're having right now. The conversation that will put our interests are the front burner. The fact that our mental health is being jeopardized. The fact that we are not well. The fact that the fact that we are still going out and coming in does not mean we are well. The fact that we need to begin to speak truth to power. The fact that we need to begin to engage power. To engage those who are in authority, those who are in power. To ask critical questions. As to the fact that 
the welfare and the security of the people shall be the primary of government. How come the welfare and the security of the people is no more the primary of government? We need to ask such questions. We need to ask such questions. We need to organize ourselves as parents and begin to ask critical questions. As we labor on our own, as we do our best to give our children the best, the hope, a hope and a future. The same way government is not responsible, we have bought our generator. The same way government is not responsible, we have fixed our own light. The same way government is not responsible, we have fixed that we have our we have we have, we have we are paying vigilante. The same way government is not responsible, we are registering our children in schools. But it is important that you know that some of us who can register our children in school, some of us who can buy generator, some of us who can who can pay private security, as many as we look, we are still the mi mi minority. The majority of us are living in abject chronic poverty. And it has unusual impact on our mental health because you cannot give what you do not have. That's my conversation with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. My name remains Taiwo Akilami, the preacher. I am glad to be with you today. And by God's grace, I will be with you next week. By God's grace, I trust God that I will be with you next week. And if you want to be part of this conversation, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Taiwo Akilami. You can follow me on Twitter at Taiwo Akilami. You can like my page on Facebook, Taiwo Akilami Facebook page. And you can join our group where this broadcast is taking place right now. You can join our group, uh, which is uh, Taiwo Akilami Facebook group. Taiwo Akilami Academy Facebook group. Join that group and benefit immensely for what we are doing there. We, all you also need to do is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and put on the notification bell. So anytime we send a broadcast, it can come your way and you can participate and you can continue to participate. Not only that, I want to encourage you to please also uh, uh, also uh, sign up for our, our Anchor podcast. What I'm discussing right now is also being discussed on 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 Anchor. It's a you know a, a week as a weekly podcast. If you are not able to see uh, what you, you are busy, you cannot watch, but you can listen. You know that is very very important. Then not only that, you know our conference is coming up. Um, children uh, Save View Conference is a yearly conference. We have that conference every year. And uh, in the last, we started in 2017, and in the last uh, four years, in the last three years, we have hosted, you know, distinguished Nigerians and also fellow children who have come to encourage and inspire their peers. This year is going to be happening online. We're having it online, and um, we're having great, great people and young people too coming to inspire children. We hope to gather nothing less than a thousand young people. Uh, we encourage you to register your children to be part of this program. It is something that you cannot afford to miss. You know, you know this. You know the beautiful thing about it. It is free. You don't pay a dime to be part of it. It is our own service to humanity. It is our own mission to society. And we are encouraging you to register your children for that program. You know, if you if you if you go to uh, our YouTube page, if you go to our Facebook page, you will find information. On how to register, just register your children, and they will be they will, they will be there. It's, it's taking place on the 20th of November, and we are running it for two days. Day one, it we are dealing with children from age seven to twelve, and day two, we are dealing with children from age thirteen to seventeen or thereabouts. So, 
And if any young adult is in the house who wants to join us, why not? You know, the, the, the more the merrier. We, the, the, there's room for you. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. Uh, tomorrow, uh, uh, next week, by God's grace, we look forward to seeing you at our conference, your children, and all of that. Not only that, um, we have some materials that you need to visit. You need to go to um, Sellers, you need to go to Okada Books, you need to go to, um, not only that, you need to go to um, Amazon. We have a series of materials there. We have a comic there. Eight editions of the comic is online. You can pick them up. They help children to have conversations and all of that. Not only that, we have um, a book that is going to help you to inculcate the right value system in your children. This book is called Show Up, Stand Out and Show Off. Very powerful. If you follow my colleague Olabi Seafolabi on YouTube, uh, on YouTube, yes, and on Facebook, you will see that she has been sharing from that book, and it's interesting and it's, it's tremendously interesting. I charge you to uh, pick up that material. There were four volumes of book, save for me, volume one, volume two, volume three, volume four of conversations you can have with your children. You know, we just finished a series on communication. How do you commune with your children? Uh, and so those books are going to help you. We discuss sex, sexuality, you know, masturbation, love, uh, uh, baby daddy, baby mommy. You know, all of those things that young people are trying to grapple with. Valentine's, what does it mean? You know, we discuss all of those issues. Drug addiction, substance abuse, everything that has to do with young people, every issue they are grappling with. We play the devil advocate. We brought all of these issues and we address them. And to help you to be able to address those things with your children, children can read those books by themselves, and you can also use it to lead conversation with your children as a devotional. Thank you very much for joining me tonight. It's my pleasure to have anchored this program and to have this conversation with you. I do not take it for granted. God bless you. Do really have a wonderful weekend. I look forward to coming your way again next week. Till I come your way next week, remember that enlightenment is superior to enforcement. And when it comes to power parenting, it is important for us to understand that nothing is good enough until it is the best standard of raising children and parenting children. God will help us. We know it's not easy. It's not an easy task. But God will help us as much as we are willing and ready to cooperate with him. Do have a wonderful day. My name remains Taiwo Akilami, the preacher. God bless you. Bye for now.